Hello, you are watching the Le Nouvelle Esprit video series on the theology of the body. This video is dedicated to audience 43. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossotter. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. So this video, we begin where we left off from the previous audience, audience 42. So in audience 42, we have the question of, can man look at his wife with desire and not commit the, this adultery of the heart? And TOB 42 presented an argument that appeared to be consistent with the sixth commandment, the commandment to, that you cannot commit adultery. And it made it seem like you could you could look at your wife with this desire and not commit adultery at the heart. And the reason for this was essentially, well, if you're married, then you can't commit adultery in the flesh with your own wife. It has to be some woman who is not your wife in order for you to commit adultery. So if I can't commit adultery with my wife in the flesh, then why would I be why would i commit adultery in the heart if i can't commit adultery in the flesh and jp2 pointed out without answering the dilemma so he kind of left us in a cliffhanger he just simply said that the key principle to understanding desire is that it depends upon the dignity of the human person so Let's look now at Matthew 5, verses 27 28. So here, JP2 has been emphasizing the fact that Jesus Christ does not specify whether the woman that man looks at and desires in his heart is whether she's married or not. Is it, we're just simply told it's a woman. We don't know married or not. And so for... What JP2 draws a conclusion then is that the adultery of the heart's not circumscribed by the adultery of the body. In other words, there's a wider application of adultery of the heart than there is adultery of the body in regards to women. So man can commit adultery of the heart, not simply when not simply when he's looking at a woman who is not his wife, but simply whenever he looks at a woman with concupiscent desire. So then once we accept this proposition, immediately follows then that you can look at your wife with desire and this will be adultery of the heart. Man can commit adultery of the heart in reference to his wife, since when he looks at her with concupiscent desire, this is reducing her to an object for his sexual gratification. So, simply because you cannot commit adultery of the body with your wife, that does not mean you cannot commit adultery of the heart with her. And adultery of the heart is this objectification of a woman for and such that she's just viewed simply for you as something to be used for your own sexual pleasure. And in some 
respect, this is kind of a controversial argument that you can commit adultery in the heart with your own wife. And it just goes to show just how far reaching Christ's message on the Sermon on the Mount goes with this appeal to the heart that you can't just look at other women, but even your own wife, you cannot look at her with this concupiscent desire. You have to conquer all aspects of your heart. That is the demand of the Sermon on the Mount, the, de the demand of this ethos. Did you have anything you want to add, Guillermo? Absolutely. So it just really, we really see that Christ is, in a manner of speaking, raising the bar. So the, the, for lack of other words, the standard was already there, but it had been lowered because of our hardness uh, of heart. But Jesus says, not here it is. This is the end of the law itself. We kind of just we're treating the law as the end as the end in and of itself, but it's not. It's the heart. What's in the heart? The heart of man. Um, I don't know if I'm botching it by saying that it it's both the means and the end. Well, the end is is uh, eternal life, but um, certainly we've been looking at this the wrong way. Just again, very legalistic, but. Number one, that Christ is, in a manner of speaking, raising the bar, and his listeners are sitting there um, just contemplating how, how much we need to, um, for lack of other words, be redeemed, like, This, this seems like an almost impossible task. You're asking us not to lust? What do you mean not to lust? Because it seems so natural or it seems so instinctual. And on top of that, we can't even lust after our own wives? Well, well what's that supposed to mean? And that brings me to this other point that I think we've alluded to previously. We confuse lust with uh, sexual attraction, which I know we have. We have a couple of audiences ago. And there's that fine line. Just one thing, I think, for any, for any of us who are listening and who are thinking, yeah, what, what's kind of, how can we more so distinguish between, well, excuse me, differentiate between lusting and just being attracted to someone? I think a good way to explain this. In, the, in terms of looking at one's own wife with lust, we can ask kind of a follow-up question. Is it possible to use one's wife? Is it possible for someone to actually use his wife? The answer is yes. All right. That wouldn't be possible if that ideal wasn't in the heart to begin with, but it is. So insofar as you, one could look at lustfully at one's, excuse me, as someone can use one's wife for one's own sexual gratification, so they can also lust after her with that desire, with that look to desire. And one more point that I wanted to make, um, it's slipping my mind. If, if it comes back to me, 
it'll I'll be sure to bring it up. All right. No, thank you for that, Guillermo. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now, I, I like how you kind of broke that into more concrete terms for us. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. While we wait for you to get your thought, we'll move on. Concupiscence. So let's see here. So concupiscence changes the intentionality. I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah, we talked about this, if I'm not mistaken, in in either the last or the second to last audience in which I remember mentioning how JP2 is beginning to segue into utilitarianism. He touches mm-hmm. on it in this audience as well. Okay. Yeah, I was just looking at it. I was like, wow, this, uh, this looks just like what we've talked about before. Okay. That's good to review. So concupiscence changes the intentionality of the woman's existence for man. And what this is referring to, again, is simply that in how the man sees the woman in, and her existence is as an object when he's looking at her with concupiscent desire. And so for him, she is simply an object reduced to sexual pleasure. And this is what he is talking about with this kind of intentionality. The intentionality of her existence is simply to be an object for his use. And when we do this, this eliminates the communion of persons and the spousal meaning of the body, since now the woman is, her existence is seen as an object for the appeasement of the sexual urge. And so the concupiscence deforms this reciprocal for each other, because when we talk about community of persons there's this reciprocity of the man being gifted for the woman the woman being gifted for the man and that's completely eliminated when we start viewing the other person under this aspect of concupiscent desire so concupiscence deforms this dynamism of self-gift of self-giving and this strips then the community of persons into a utilitarian ethos of mere use. The the communal or community aspect, that communion, that aspect is eliminated for utilitarian purposes. So to look at the woman without concupiscent desire, or to look at the woman with concupiscent desire, but not acting upon it is still adultery of the heart because of the interior action itself and the disposition of reducing the woman to into becoming just simply a mere object for man to use. And of course we can say the, for that likewise, when a woman looks at a man with concupiscent desire, that likewise the man becomes just a mere object and, the same damage also applies. It's not just as if man is the only one who is doing this to women, but women can do this to men as well. And now here's a couple of quotes just to drive home our point concerning the adultery 
in the heart with one's own wife. Um, Guillermo, would you like to read the first one? Yes. Quote, Adultery in the heart is not committed only because the man looks in this way at a woman who is not his wife, but precisely because he looks in this way at a woman. Even if he were to look in this way at the woman who is his wife, he would commit the same adultery in the heart. End quote. That's from section two of audience 43. Awesome. And then in section three, we read the following quote, begin quote. A man can commit such adultery in the heart, even with his own wife, if he treats her only as an object for the satisfaction of drives, end quote. So this is just to reemphasize that JP2 is quite adamant on this point, that the adultery in the heart, any man can commit this with any woman, even his own spouse, because of what the adultery of the heart does the damage inflicts and the spirituality of the communion of persons because the very personhood of the other is eliminated when the man or woman commits his adultery in the heart the purity of heart so this dimension of interiority is required in order to understand how christ came to fulfill the law the sixth commandment is fulfilled by this purity of heart and the sixth commandment has its right motive in the indissolubility of marriage adultery conflicts with this motive and the commandment and christ through his preaching especially the sermon on the mount amongst other texts confirms the sixth commandment and anchors it within the depth of the human person and so this leads to a new ethos, which we've been mentioning for a few audiences now. But this new ethos, again, is rooted in the depth of the human heart. And it is a liberation from concupiscence. And doing such, if we live out this new ethos, will allow us to live fully, more fully in accordance with the heart. And this leads to the freedom to live this self-giving and to be able to find oneself through self-gift. So the Sermon on the Mount then is a call to rediscover the lost fullness of humanity and to regain it. We, when we looked at the beginning in audiences 1 through 23, we talked about the fullness of humanity and the communion of persons. Concupiscence, original sin, we lo- through concupiscence, original sin, we lost that fullness of meaning, but we can rediscover it again by living according to this new ethos. And this fullness will be found in the communion of persons through this reciprocal giving of self. Did you remember your point, Guillermo? I did. Um, Yeah. So not too much off topic, but just when it comes to translations, what I was doing previously was I was looking at my translation of the New Testament, the revised version, 
the revised standard version Catholic edition. And rather than the, the wording is a little different, whereas the word used is the phrase used, I should say, that, but whoever looks at a woman to desire her, etc. The RSV CE says, whoever looks at a woman lustfully. So this translation, I just wanted to highlight because that helps with the interpretation just a little more. Um, that helps us to see what lust is rather than attraction in and of itself. I just wanted to point that out there. And um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out there. Yeah, no, that, that's great to give another word in our vocabulary connecting concupiscent desire with lust because that is what we are talking about lust though jp2 hasn't really used that term yet in our audiences okay yeah um did you have anything else Guillermo? i think we might be at the end if we are at the end i do okay here's this quote from Section 7 of Audience 43 that I've heard often, speaking of the words by Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, yeah, it, he's raising the bar in a manner of speaking. He's showing us where the bar actually is, I should say. And it's higher than we thought, much higher than we thought. And this quote, let me, I quote, should we fear the severity of these words or rather have confidence in their salvific content, in their power, end quote. And that segues into the next section called the heart accused or called. But it kind of goes to show that, no, this isn't like some kind of dead end mission. No, this is, it's not even mission impossible. It's, it's a mission possible. It's just really hard. But I guess Christ wouldn't be telling us to do something if he didn't, if he knew we couldn't do it. And he's calling us to, as a matter of fact, he's calling us to. Therefore, we should have confidence in these words rather than fear this call to sanctity. Yeah, no, that's a great point that Christ doesn't demand of us anything that we cannot do. In fact, those are essentially the words of St. Paul, I forget where, that God would not give us any task that's too hard for us. And Precisely. Just, uh, I guess, to also throw out there, we cannot dismiss the role of grace, mm. God's grace, and how God is helping us to live this life of purity of heart. Because right. that's what he desires for all of us. So he will give each and every one of us the means to break out of concupiscence, to break out of lust, and to live according to this communion of persons. But it is something that we have to decide for ourselves that, yes, we want to live this way and cooperate with God. And that's the challenge. Yeah, because... The challenge is you have to say no to yourself 
and yes to God. You have to say no to yourself and yes to the other person because that's what self-giving is all about. You, you're giving yourself, so you're saying no to yourself in order to give it to the other. I would also like to add some more. And so far as, okay, yes, of course, there's that distinction. There's grace, which we need. What we've analyzed here absolutely helps us very, uh, I guess, on an intellectual sphere and a, uh, I, I dare say, rational. In other words, this makes sense. Christ's words actually make sense. Uh, what JP2 is explaining, it makes sense. And that making sense, it just sheds the light even more on the path where we need to take the necessary steps. Um, and one book that I want to uh, just highly recommend is called Theology and Sanity by Frank Shee, where he, he makes this distinction between the intellect and the will. And just ultimately, it's in the will. But the intellect helps the will. Uh, it's a beautiful book. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. And... What one thing that I want to share certainly is that even after thoroughly studying this, even after say going on retreats and having those, um, yes, after having that encounter with Christ and growing in our knowledge of the faith, it's still a heavy cross to carry. Um, even yeah, just even after all this, in other words, just like temptation is still there, and like we may uh, um, fall, or maybe we will fall at times. And okay, but Christ is still calling us. I just wanted to highlight, yeah, we can learn and we can grow. I think sometimes we think that that's going to cure us from the temptation itself. Yeah. No, but those are very good points. Yeah, man. I, I've seen a lot of people on social media have those very problems you were just highlighting. So that's good. I appreciate that. Yeah. And sorry for being kind of redundant, but um, I just wanted to emphasize it. That's all. No, no, that's good. I'm, I'm sure that's going to help our, our listeners with that. That's good advice. Thank you. All right. With that, however, I think it's time to end this video. Awesome. So thank you everyone for watching our video. If you have been enjoying our content, please subscribe to our social media, like, share, comment on it. Consider making a financial donation to our um, organization so that we can continue creating awesome resources for you. You can support us financially through PayPal or Patreon, and your support goes, of course, to us buying materials and maintaining our website. Speaking of great resources we provide for you, on our website, lenovelespreet.com, we have many, many free articles that help you understand a diverse number of topics. And we also have a podcast. Guillermo, can you give us some more information about the podcast, please? 
Yes, in our other podcast series, we talk about a variety of other topics, such as trends in culture and politics, and we address them from a Catholic personalist perspective. We upload our episodes onto buzzsprout.com, and you can find our page through the Lenovo Esprit website under the podcast category. It can take you straight to Buzzsprout. And then from there, you can listen to us directly on Buzzsprout or use Buzzsprout to locate us in any other um, popular podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Yep. Um, to clarify, you can find all of our social media at lenovelspreet.com slash subscribe. That includes things like Facebook, YouTube. That includes things like our Patreon and PayPal. And, of course, the information for our podcast, the various websites we have those dis- um, the podcast episodes distributed. Um, do you have any final words, Guillermo? Yes, I would like to ask our viewers and listeners to keep us and our mission in your prayers. Awesome. Yes, please remember to keep us in your prayers. And with that, we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. God bless.